Welcome to the fish meeting. Four friends and disciples of Jesus Christ have been meeting and discussing God's word over the past 10 years with over 100,000 minutes together studying the scripture. And now they are making that study available to you. Listen in as they bring the Bible into their everyday lives. So let's get started with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and the opportunity that we have to study your word, that we can come together freely and worship you. We ask for your blessing upon the study this morning. We ask for, for you to guide us in our thoughts and uh, in our conversation. You know that the Holy Spirit has promised to be with us, to illuminate us to the truth that's revealed within your word. And so we just pray for that illumination this morning, Lord. We do this so that we can we can know you better, so that we can serve you better, that we can uh, be the reflection of your love and compassion in the, in the world. And so we just ask that uh, you bless us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' holy and blessed name. Amen. 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 All right. So we're, uh, we're in uh, uh, studying the harmony of the Gospels. We're talking about the miracles uh, that Christ performed and that his apostles performed. And so we're in Matthew uh, 4 this morning. We're talking about the ministry in Galilee, Matthew 4:23. And uh, it says this, Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the regions across Jordan followed him. A couple of things we noticed, I think, in this in this scripture here, and this is uh, a, this is a, a, I think a factor or a function of the translation uh, from a, a language that's that's used differently than ours is into our language. And you notice a couple of times in here it says he healed all the diseases. People brought everyone to him, and um, you know that that's that type of language in the English has caused debate over many verses in scripture. Um, I think this this section is a good place to point this out that it, you know, that that uh, language used is is it doesn't mean everyone because clearly they didn't he didn't heal every disease and sickness that existed among the people and um, when the news spread about him the people didn't bring everyone that lived in the world right this is a you know this is kind of like hyperbole I guess we would say but it, it you know really refers to uh, he healed every disease that he healed, right? And uh, that doesn't have an exact translation into the English, so so sometimes it you know it uh, can be confusing. But I wanted to point that out. I, you know, it, it, uh, I noticed it as I was reading through there, and so I wanted to make that distinction um, this morning. But as we've talked about through the miracles, you know, these miracles, of course, were for the purpose of people uh, believing in him, right, and then spreading the word. Uh, and so uh, that's what he was doing here. As he was teaching in the synagogues, uh, he was healing those that, um, you know, that fit the purpose uh, of spreading that good news. And, and then we can see as a result of that in 24, news about him spread all over Syria. That was the purpose of those healings. Still with me? We are I'm here. I am. Okay, so let's read about the same thing in Mark. Uh, we're going to go to the first chapter of Mark in, thir- in uh, verse 35. Very early in the morning... While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they, ex- they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. 
Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby village so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And, uh, and I think, um, as you can see, uh, the story in Mark records different aspects of this, right? And, you know, it's, it's a divine, um, you know, divinely inspired, right? Every, everything in the Bible is divinely inspired. So it's recorded this way on, on purpose, but, uh, the only miracle part of this that Mark records is the driving out of demons. It was, it was, um, he's focused on Jesus praying and then preaching. What was he preaching? That's what Mark was told us. He told us he was preaching the, the good news of the kingdom, right? And then Luke 4, uh, we read the same, we read the same uh, depiction. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. People were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So this, uh, I think the things that come out of these three verses for this, this section uh, of the Gospels is you know, that he was, number one, by himself in a solitary place praying, and number two, that he was preaching, uh, and what he was preaching was the good news of the kingdom of God. And that reminds me of the of the prayer. You know, the disciples at one point asked him, Lord, how is it that we should pray? Teach us to pray, they said. And, and, uh, and he taught them how to pray, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that second part of that is the explanation of that kingdom, right? Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, uh, right? Yeah, I think one of the, the thing that strikes me about this is <clears throat> about the prayer. You know, he he showed his disciples through his actions the importance of prayer. Mm-hmm. And if if prayer can be important to Jesus, who's God, how much more important is it, is it to us? And I think that so often in our lives we put that aside it's an it's a when I have time we might do it in the morning we might do it in the evening um we probably we don't do it as often as we should we don't usually do it before we make a big decision and we should do that um and I think that this is a an example of how we as parents um adults should be an example to our children and to others of the importance of prayer and we shouldn't necessarily well we shouldn't flaunt it but we shouldn't hide it either we should let people see that prayer is important and that we um we are praying which doesn't necessarily have to be prayer verbally aloud uh, you know so so that we're you know being clanging of our uh, symbols and, and whatever but it's important to show that that prayer is part of our daily life and, and how important that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that in addition to making sure that we're praying um, as appropriate, you know, which oftentimes just means, Lord, help me in this situation. It doesn't have to be. I think people think that a prayer has to be completely composed, but, but the Bible says he can understand our, si- understand our sighs and moans. But I think the best yeah. thing about prayer is that we have to remember to prayer that thanks 
thanking God for the blessings, even if it's as simple as, you know, being able to get up in the morning physically, mm-hmm. um, praying for, th- you know, a thankful prayer, I think is extremely powerful. It, it, it really kind of helps balance out the fair weather friend mentality where people just pray when they're in trouble, which I yeah. think is inappropriate personally. Yeah, the uh, genie in the bottle approach. Yeah. I think, you know, the uh, the disciples asked, how should we pray, right? And this is, uh, um, that was, you know, that was a portion of the prayer that he, that he taught them. I think we can learn just as much, if not more, from his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, because, um, you know, like what you just said, uh, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, if there's any other way, if there's any other way we can do this, right? And in this section of Scripture we just read, he said the purpose that he came was to, was to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. And, and, you know, he knew what was coming. And he said, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But if not, thy will be done, not mine. And so, uh, you know, it's tied to it a little bit, right? The kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, you know, what we, um, what we ought to pray for is not, uh, you know, and some, some in the, you know, some that are in the, um, you know, that are, are, um, position towards the word of faith type movement, um, you know, would say that this is, this is, that this is a prayer killer, right? What Jesus prayed in, in Gethsemane, um, thy will be done. Um, but what we should be praying for is his will to be done, right? That's, that's why Christ came. That's why we were saved. You know, we just did a series at our church on in Christ. And one of, one of the main purposes of, of our salvation and our position in Christ is, is to help God, you know, help help fulfill God's will on earth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a place where it's needed more than anything else. So that prayer should be geared towards, you know, Lord, help help you know help us understand Your will, right? Help us be a part of accomplishing that will. We're servants of Yours, you know. You know, certainly we can request. I mean, Paul says with prayer with uh, with prayer and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. So certainly we can ask. Uh, our Father in Heaven for the things that um, that we desire, but uh, ultimately it should be His will that we desire. Well, especially if, if your understanding of the Bible is that ultimately God defeats sin. I mean, mm-hmm. who wouldn't pray for that? That's right. And we need all the help we can get until that happens. So, yep. I don't know. I, I think Cheryl and I talked about this the other day. I don't know how people live their life without prayer and that relationship with God in it. Um, you know, if you've never known it, maybe you don't understand what you're missing. But once you figure that out, unbelievably beneficial um, to live a better life in in all ways. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, you know, the uh, the, the uh, it's uh, it almost uh, almost feels like there's such arrogance and you know in somebody's ability to live without it. But like you said, um, that becomes apparent when you when you when you see it, right? When you feel it. When you experience it. Yeah, and you know, I've been thinking a lot about this, which is why I have a lot of comments, but um, I, I think personally that there is even greater power when people pray for someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, I, mean, but I mean, it's powerful for them personally, even though they're praying for someone else. I think it's an unselfish act of love, and I can do that to an extent, but I have trouble praying for the people that need it most, you know, the truly evil ones. Need prayer too, but it's tough as a human to pray for people that are just, you know, what you observe in their behavior is horrific. It's 
<laughs> and I've got to figure that one out from you know for myself. But you know, I watched. Well, I think, uh, I watched go ahead, Doctor B. I was going to say, I think part of that is um, what forgiveness is all about. If we mm-hmm. can, you know, turn and pray for those who have hurt us or are uh, being deceitful that could hurt us. Um, and, and we see that and we pray that God will work in their hearts and draw them closer to him, um, two things happen. One is they'll be saved, which is what God wants. He wants everyone to be saved, even those in uh, Nineveh <laughs> where we don't want to go, right? And also uh, likely they're going to change their ways because that's what happens when you accept Christ. You you know, prayer is not to really get what we want. It's it's not you're sitting on Santa's lap and asking for what we want. We often say we would like this, we want want that. Prayer is more of getting our heart in line with what God has planned. And um, you know, his ways are so much better than our ways that what we think we want is not always what is best for us. And if we can just be still and let God do his thing and follow his direction, he'll lead us to something way better than we could even imagine. Yeah. And every time I have a, a disappointment, like say I'm, I want to have a certain job. I mean, this has happened to me in, in, in my lifetime where I thought, oh, this was a perfect job for me interview for it and it it didn't happen and now 20 years later I'm so thankful it was not the best course for me Um, but I didn't know that then and um, I remember when I didn't get that job I was disappointed but I was also looked at it with thankfulness knowing that okay God I know you have something better so it's okay and I'll just go on and I think that's the kind of attitude that we have to have. Sometimes it's hard because the things we're praying for we're so um, invested in and, you know, it seems so important to us right now. Yeah, and I think if you if you combine those, what you just said, Dr. B, with what Sherry said a second ago, um, a different picture starts to emerge because oftentimes the things that we're praying for and the things that we think we need, you know, even even if we're doing that in faith, those things are what's best for us. Right? And, and it's hard for us to look outside ourselves and see how do, how do we fit into that bigger picture. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's why, you know, um, in the disciples' prayer, he says, thy kingdom come, right, thy will be done. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, what's best for him is take this cup from me. But, but he knows that's not, what, what's, that's not why he was here. That's not what was best for mankind. So your will be done. And I, and I think, you know, it's... it's um, that transition of thought that Sherry described um, in, in, in praying for those that, you know, are, uh, that are acting against us or acting in evil ways, you know, I mean, that's the, uh, that's the, that's the hard part, but that's the part, that's the, the important part. And, and it made me think of, uh, you know, I watched Major Pain yesterday. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. It's really funny. <laughs> I yeah. love that joke, that uh, movie. <laughs> And um, it reminded me of, of my military days and, and in boot camp. And we were, you know, there was a place called the Grinder uh, where it was just an open blacktop, you know, field. And uh, and that was where we had to do all of our exercise. And we had to run around that thing. I don't know, I must have run around that for miles and miles. But, uh, 
but we had to we had to we had to finish as a group and um, you know so the the entire company would have to run around this grinder in our in our boon, heavy boondockers right and in our uniforms and um, people would start to fall out you know they couldn't make it they couldn't keep running and you know I remember we would we you know we had flags we had to carry the not only the the U.S. flag but we had to carry the you know our company flag and the P, the MIPOW flag and um, and run around this thing as a company and as people started falling falling out uh, you know some of us would go encourage them you know you can do it you know if they were the ones carrying the flag we'd pick the flag you know take the flag from them so we could keep that flag from touching the ground and you know it was it was people were some people were um, doing things that were taking away from us our ability to get to the finish line and and you know be easy to criticize and blame and yell and scream but in, instead you know the purpose of that was for us to come together and encourage each other you know, and, and get the whole group across the finish line. And I think that's a good way to think about it, right? These, you know, we can we can look at these people that are doing the wrong things in our eyes and, you know, that don't have faith in God, that are evil, and that we can criticize and point a finger and blame and, you know, think we're better. Um, or we can realize that we're in this together, right? And, and we can tell them, we can show them the way, which is the truth of Christ, and um, bring the whole group across the finish line. Mm-hmm. Well, and plus, you know, I mean, you know how I like to tie things up in a nice bow, but not only that, but when you um, see people doing horrific things, that's such a, a fleshly perspective, a human perspective, because sin is sin. So my little white lie that I think makes somebody feel better is just as bad as the horrific things that I'm, I'm looking at someone else about in God's eyes. So really and truly, if you catch yourself doing that, I have to remind myself that that's pretty judgy to say that my sin's better than their sin. I mean, think about yeah. that sentence. <laughs> my sin is better than And the other concept of, you know, loving others as yourself. You know, if I was caught up in, you know, spiritual warfare and, and the negative things were overpowering at the moment, what I need most is for someone to pray for me. Mm-hmm. You know, not to assume that I'm in that role because... I want to be. It could right. be that, you know, there's these spiritual forces that are just taking advantage. And I think that the miracles that we're talking about right now, the miracles of Christ, I think they talk about demons that yeah. take, take over people. And so it's true. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's one of those things that when I watched it play out again on that, the, uh, that series, The Chosen, um, uh, helped me to see it in that, in that way, Sherry, what you just described. And, you know, sometimes if we don't picture it in our mind's eye as, we, as we're studying the scripture, you know, you, maybe you don't get the full picture. But that, those people that were demon-possessed, last week we read about him preaching in the synagogue, and a guy came in screaming and howling. Think about that for a second, you know. And we had an incident, I wasn't there, but we had an incident at our church in Texas where while, while the, uh, our pastor was, was preaching one day, a guy walked into the church um, who looked like he had been living on the streets, and turns out that he was, but you know, he you could just picture how somebody would look, you know, the hair, you know, unshaven, hair um, a mess and unclean, you know, clothes dirty and, and torn. And uh, he walked into the church straight down the aisle and up to the pulpit, and everybody was silent. Can you imagine? And and uh, they they talk about that um, story when the debate comes up about concealed carry in, in churches. So you can tell how that made people feel. Now, it turned out when he got up to the pulpit, he, he asked for, for money. But I can imagine the tension that was there as he came into the church and, and walked up to the preacher preaching. 
you know, our reaction is, is to pull away from that type of situation. And, uh, you know, Jesus is in the synagogue preaching and, and, the, and this demon-possessed guy starts screaming and hollering. You know, the human, the human, uh, uh, does, you know, the human reaction to that would be to, 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 get us, to get to a safe place, right? Get away from the situation. And, and yet Christ healed that person. And then when the person was healed, they welcomed him into the group, right? It was, you know, the, the whole thing was about togetherness and, uh, and not togetherness by toleration. And that's some of the mistakes that we make, I think, in society today is we think, we think forgiveness and, and, and uh, toler and, and not, well, I was going to say tolerance, but, we, you know, we, we think that, you know, this, this uh, acceptance and, and forgiveness means that we agree Right? And, and, and the, the part about what Jesus came for is to, to tell people about the truth of the gospel of Christ, um, not to accept all these false beliefs, but to do so in a way that was um, to bring people into knowledge of the truth. Right? And uh, mm-hmm. anybody outside of Christianity can call that a uh, Christian faith or, or tries to call Christian faith exclusive because we say Christ is the way, right? He's the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. But nobody comes to the Father from by him. And so, you know, oh, isn't that exclusive? Well, no, because anybody who believes can be saved, right? There is no, there is no other requirement. You don't have to be a certain race, like the Jews thought. You know, you don't have to be living in a certain geography. Anybody who believes is saved. You can't be more inclusive than that. But it is through Christ. And so that's how the unity comes about. And um, telling other people about that is the, the kindest, most loving thing we can do. Yeah, that's so interesting. I want to be part of your club, but I don't believe anything about it. All right. <laughs> want to change it. Well, hey, where else do we see that, right? Uh, yeah, the world right. over, people want to be a uh, part of the United States, but they want to come here and turn it into the countries they left. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, all right, so let's go to the um, Jesus healing uh, leprosy. And by the way, we're following the uh, harmony. There are several harmony uh, of the gospel programs, right, or, or you know, um, study guides. Uh, the one that we're following is in the Blue Letter Bible, which is a great website if if, if you haven't gone there, uh, Blue Letter Bible has lots of Bible study uh, source, uh, resources, and uh, that's the one we're following. And so now we're in Matthew 8, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, again, we see that same phrase, right? If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And, um, and there's, a, there's a certain, you know, I think this is what you were saying earlier too, Sherry, right? There's a, there's a certain, um, how opposite is his prayer uh, to what we've been talking about with the, you know, with the Christmas. I like the way you said that, Dr. B, right? Santa Claus, sitting on Santa Claus's lap. And oftentimes when we when we pray, you know, and, and we're asking for things for ourselves, it's it's a different it's in a different tone than this man with leprosy. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And, and Paul says we can go and, and make our request known to God with boldness, right? Because through Christ we have bold access to God. But it you know it still should I think the I think the proper understanding of our relationship with Him would be in this humble. Uh, type way, even if it's bold, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think that bold means like what people think. Right. Um, I've had people try to say, in a, you know, firm and demanding. I don't think that that's what bold means. I think bold means confidence. 
Confidence, exactly. And what this man with leprosy is confident of is that if the Lord is willing, you can make me clean. I know that. I trust that. That's what faith is, right? I know, God, if I bring my need to you, that if you're willing, you can fulfill that need. But I also know that I don't know everything. And so your will be done. Mm -hmm. And I'll trust that that is the case. I mean, Jesus was praying, right? Some people say Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane wasn't answered, um, which isn't true. It was answered. Because he said, your will be done. Not mine, but your will be done. So it was answered. But we shouldn't overlook the fact that what Jesus began praying for was some other way, right? And so Jesus' will, because he said, not my will, but thine be done. Of course, you know, we can get into the confusing aspects of that because Jesus is God. And so uh, in some ways, those wills are, are the same. But as man, right, because he, he was 100% man and 100% God, and as Jesus the man, his will was that there was some other way, right, that he didn't die on the cross. That was his will as a man. But as God, that's what needed to be done. And so his prayer was answered because he prayed for God's will to be done. Um, but, you know, his, you know, he, um, you know, his, you know, I don't know how to, I don't want to counteract what I just said by saying his, his will, because it's confusing, right, for him to be God and man. Well, but. I think that it's interesting that you say some people say that his prayer wasn't answered. And your explanation, I think, was very good. But I think, on the other hand, all prayers are answered. Sometimes the answer is no. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Sometimes it's yes, and sometimes it's not now or not yet. Um, yeah. And sometimes the most compassionate answer can be no. Right. Well, that's yeah, I, know, I used to always. No, go ahead, Sherry. I used to always. This is a very, very simple um, example, but you can apply it really, really easily because I talked about this with during my airport ministry with with somebody. Um, we had a late plane, and of course, you know, everybody was really upset. But I remember a story where there was a huge plane crash. And after all of those people perished, remember the big plane crash in the Philippines? Um, yes. I can't remember what year it was, but th- those details aren't really as important except for the fact that I remember afterward there were these stories in the news about people that were running late or missed that flight, and they just were you know, praying that they could get there, and they didn't make it. And I'm sure that they thought God didn't answer their prayer. However, not knowing what was going to happen, God really saved them. Um, for more time on earth. And so it's like there's a perspective. You only know what you know, and we don't know near what God knows in the big picture. So it's like when things happen like that, I assume, I used to wonder, now I just assume that there was a really great reason why certain things happened. And I'm telling you, I can sit for hours in airports waiting on delays and other things because I feel like God's fixing stuff ahead of me. And so your perspective Never. and your belief system makes even the most menial things in life better because you're not assuming the, the worst and you're not looking to get your way all the time. And so I don't know if that helped that lady or not, but I felt like it did. Yeah, it's a great perspective, you know, and it, and it caused me to think of, um, uh, you know, the time that I spent in Rwanda the first, first time because it, it was, uh, I just had so much more patience. And I've thought a lot about that. Um, since then, because I don't have a lot of patience, and I, and I pray for it, but um, but for some reason I had a lot of patience there. And I remember we were supposed to be leaving in the morning one morning, and 
and going someplace else and, and not coming back to the hotel. And initially, we were going to um, just keep our hotel rooms. And then we were going to go stay one night away and then come back to the hotel rooms. And so we were all um, waiting for the buses outside. But then the hotel said, no, you have to check out. So we had to go at the last minute and pack, right? Nobody had packed. We had to pack everything up and, and check out of the hotel rooms and then and then leave. And, um, you know, those types of things here would have, been just like you're saying, Sherry, that, you know, I would have been frustrated and, you know, impatient and uh, why didn't somebody lead this better, you know, whatever. But, uh, but it was just like, you know, because, because I yielded to the, the people that were controlling the trip, you know, being in an unfamiliar place, you know, not, not having control over transportation, you know, just kind of being at the, you know, at the will and pleasure of the people that were in charge of the trip. I just completely yielded over to them. So it, it was almost like what happened next, you know, I, it was no, I don't want to say it didn't matter because it mattered greatly what we were doing, but, but what, you know, the specific thing didn't matter, right? It was whatever happened was, was what was, was, was just fine. And there's so much, if we can do that same yielding in our entire lives over to, to God in Christ, there's so much peace and comfort and patience that comes with that. Yeah, and what and what's the key element, right? It's it's trust. It's trust in the person that's that's in charge. You know, the one that's in control. Yeah, I th- I think the word is control. What you're doing is you're giving up your control, mm-hmm. and you're allowing him to have control. And I think that's what's really hard for us is to mm-hmm. y- yield that control. Yeah, and, and and it goes down to pride. I mean, we all think we know best. Right. Yeah, and, you know, here's the last thing I'll I'll say on that is it also ties in the thankfulness because when you thank God for the smallest of things, you're acknowledging that he's in control of it. And I think people don't tie that together sometimes, but acknowledging that somebody else is in control and you have faith in that um, goes a long way to your whole attitude and how your life, like I said earlier, how your life kind of turns out, so... For people who have a hard time with letting go of control, I think that thankfulness can help them. Yeah, absolutely. It changes your whole posture, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Mark Mark's rendition of this is a little different, and and um, you know it goes back to what we've talked about before, because Jesus said this you know before, and yet now it's it's more into his ministering. He says the same thing. So um, Mark says this: A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell anyone about this. But go, show yourself to the priest and then offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. And we know that, you know, that wasn't a surprise that the guy disobeyed him, right? Um, and maybe that's, a, maybe that's the purpose of Christ telling him not to tell anybody, because he knew that he would. Uh, and, it, you know, like the law uh, is a, an example of how, how quickly we can become disobedient even after we're saved. Um, but it's strange, right? The, the, whole, um, the whole response of Jesus is different in Mark than it was in Matthew. You know, Jesus was indignant. Uh, and um, and that's, a, that's, a, 
that's a different way. Many of the manuscripts that we have of the Gospels, instead of saying indignant, say Jesus was filled with compassion. And so uh, those two seem to be different, different emotions to me. But, uh, but maybe his indignant, indignation was about, you know, the fact that mankind has, in their rebellion, um, caused ourselves to suffer these types of maladies, right? He wasn't indignant with the man. He was indignant with the situation. And that would come from compassion. And that actually gets us back to what you were saying earlier, Sherry, right? We can, we can be indignant about the behavior of those that, you know, are unsaved in the world, but, but with a sense of compassion for their plight, because we know the remedy, right? Faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just think about when you live in a, well, we all live in a, in a world full of sin, trying to figure it out, make our way, stay safe, trying to be happy. Just think about that uphill fight without, you know, a big brother on the playground. Can you imagine? That's why mm-hmm. I find it so hard when I watch people struggle and struggle and struggle when they could have, you know, a little bit of ease to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the shame of it. Right. Uh, Dr. Wilmington um, at Liberty University used to say that the uh, evangelism, right, the, the sharing of our faith with others is, uh, is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. And, um, <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, it can be so, uh, you know, we can, it's such a shame, right. When people don't, don't accept, don't, you know, don't accept that as the as the answer because we know it could be so much better if they would. That's compassionate, right? That's the that's how the feeling of compassion can come out of that. Luke, no, uh, I'm Luke, still stuck. I'm still yeah, stuck ahead. on the indignant and compassion. You know, I so I looked up indignant, feeling and showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. Indignation is a complex and discreet emotion that is triggered by social emotions and social environments. Feeling of anger and disgust are some emotions that make up indignation. So I find it interesting that the different translations have indignation and compassion. I'm wondering if this is a place where we lose something with um, the translation. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that it, I was looking for, um, let me see, um, I was looking for this. The NIV is the one that calls it uh, indignant. Uh, Jesus, so Mark one forty one. Jesus was indignant. And in King James, it says, um, and Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand. So that it, it, could, be, uh, it could be just a bad translation on that. And then I'm also still stuck on, don't tell anybody, and then people go out and tell people. And I think, you know, what you said is how how easily we turn away and sin again. But that is, you know, the, the warning of Christ to don't tell anybody, and people go out and tell everybody. That has happened time and time again in our reading. And, you know, prior to... In starting his public ministry, I kind of understood that he didn't want people to know yet. I just wonder why, unless it, why he's saying it here, unless it's because he, what he wanted was, don't go telling people about this, go to the priest. You know, I want it to be revealed in the, the synagogue, not in your telling of, of the people. I'm just kind of pondering that. 
Yeah, I thought that same thing that when he said, um, don't tell anyone, but show yourself to the, I can't remember what he said now, show yourself to, I, it was almost like he wanted the miracle to be taken directly to the synagogue without it, them hearing it secondhand. They want, he, it's like he wanted them to see it. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, which is like um, show people by, you know, by the way you live, right? If you try to translate that into lesson for us, don't just don't just be in the God Club, right? Don't just tell people, show people. Or maybe it's even more of a. Um, I'm thinking of it's more evidentiary, if that's a word. Uh, yeah. By going to the experts and showing mm-hmm. them the change, then mm-hmm. as hearsay. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And this word, back to the, the uh, first um, one that you brought up, right, the, this, this idea of um, being moved with compassion or, or as the NIV translates, an intimation, that, if I could pronounce it, that Greek word is a long Greek word. It's, it's spleng nidzome, spleng kidzome. And, uh, and it's interesting where this is used because it's always used in, that word is used in the scripture in situations where people are suffering and Christ ends their suffering. The, the, the motivation for his ending that suffering is like schizome. And, and so, you know, I, I think, I don't think it's a, uh, maybe it's not the best translation. I said a second ago, maybe the NIV is the wrong translation. Maybe it's not the best translation, but I think it, it shows, you know, because, you know, the, those aren't just, you know, if you don't know about translations of the Bible, they're not just, you know, somebody like me or, or any of us on the call uh, just deciding what, what it means, right? At least most translations aren't. Some are, but uh, most of them aren't. And so when you look at the King James or New King James or NIV or NASB, all those are done by groups of scholars, right, and, and years of, of, um, of investigation and, and research. So uh, maybe it's not the best translation, but, but there's, some, there's some scholarly thought uh, that caused that word to be used, right? And so when I try to reconcile those two I, and then look at where it's used in the scripture, it seems to indicate to me that that um, that's not the way the world should be, right? And when we think about Christ as the creator, right? In, in John's gospel, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And in Genesis, we read that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It says elsewhere in scripture that there isn't anything that was created that Christ didn't create. Um, and and so when when he's in the world witnessing what his creation has become because of the disobedience and rebellion of man because of the influence of the devil that's why he was indignant but that that being moved with passion was for his creation who was suffering because of those you know what what the devil ultimately has done to this creation to the world that he created and that's so that's I have helpful, right I think that's helped him I think I think that that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. The other thought that I had about that was him being indignant at the thought that he wouldn't be compassionate. Right, where he said, if it's your will. <laughs> and so, yeah, that counteracts what we were saying before. But he prayed the same way. So uh, yeah, could be. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's take a look. Um, did we read uh, what uh, Luke, I don't think we read what Luke said. So, uh, nope, not yet. So it came to pass when he, this is Luke 5, verse 12, and it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of uh, leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, oh, this is the King James, let me get over to the NIV again. 
while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And, um, you know, that there's a couple things in there, right, that are in the others as well. But <clears throat> I think, um, you know, this this order for him to go and offer the sacrifices, you know, we talked about it, you know, showing himself to the priest, what that might mean. But this also shows that they're still at this point because Christ is still living, right? He hasn't been crucified yet, but there's still some aspect of the law because that's what he's telling. That's what he's telling this guy, right? The sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing, that's part of the Mosaic law, uh, the, the, the cleansing rituals, you know, that we read in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. When Christ died on the cross, he uttered it as finished, right? And that was the transition from, from the, the dispensation of being under the law to the dispensation of being under grace. And then the other thing was Jesus withdrawing to lonely places and praying. You know, that's where that, you know, the, the power, again, when we talked about our series of in Christ, you know, there's power uh, that, that comes with the position of being in Christ. But that, the source of that power uh, is, is God, right? That's, our faith gets access to the miracle worker. Our faith doesn't perform the miracles. Our faith gives, gives access to the miracle worker. And that's, uh, you know, I think it was true for Jesus as man that he needed to, to go to those places to listen, like I think you said earlier, Dr. B, and, and to pray. And so, uh, you know, how could we say it's not important for us to, to pray and to be silent and listen to God when it was important often, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed? Well, you know, I think like when, when I read um, Jesus Calling and I read the scripture at the bottom and just it often talks about taking quiet, uninterrupted, I guess they refer to it as lonely, but I think what that means there is just no one else around. Right, alone, yeah. You know, focused time with God in prayer, because that's really the food that energizes us to do all this other stuff, to, to resist the sin, to help with people that we don't really want to help with, to be honest. I mean, it's hard to pray for someone that I don't like. Right. But we should, and it takes a lot of energy to get yourself, you know, in a position to do that. Right, and alone we can't, right? Only only through that power from the Holy Spirit is that even possible, mm-hmm. right? That's what that's what it means, I think, when, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't think I can get the exact quote, but, but elsewhere it says, you know, what, what, what does it profit you if you lay down your life for a friend, right? Who wouldn't do that? Right? Who, who doesn't pray for the people that they love? But lay down your life for your enemy. Right? That's that's what he's calling us to do. And you know, mm-hmm. it's in it's in uh, you know different language, but that's what you're saying, right? Who doesn't pray for those that our loved ones, right? Our our prayers are filled with that, right? And and those people that are in the church and 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 are in need. But uh, but pray for those who are against you. And that's that shows that you have faith in God. Yes, yeah. and you know. Proverbs 16, 7 says something along the lines of when our ways please God, he makes even our enemies make peace with us. Yeah, 
Right, absolutely. And that's the that's the that's the whole purpose is to bring people together in unity. And the, and sadly there's gonna be some that resist that and reject it and then they're gonna go, you know, to an eternity separated. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I I also read that praying in the morning is best and I always wondered why. Of course praying continuously is recommended, but <laughs> but I always wondered why and I think this is not the answer, but this is the way I look at it. In the morning, you're asking for guidance. In the evening, you may be asking for forgiveness. So it might be better to try the morning. <laughs> I like that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> At least that's how my life has gone. <laughs> I think that's funny, but um, Sherry, and, and I think it also, in the morning, it gets you set, right? It gets your mindset. It gets you ready yep. for, the, for the day. It's, it, it centers you and... Um, you know, just we know how our days can sometimes be and the difficulties that in the the work that we do that we run into and it just really gets our minds so that we're prepared. Yeah, that perspective, the appropriate perspective that we talked about earlier. Right. Kind of like this Bible study does for the beginning of the week. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's a, that was a good discussion. And um, I think that brings us up to a close of our hour. And uh, next week we'll we'll talk about Christ uh, calming the storm, which is uh, which is a different aspect of the of you know his power and his miracles, right? We've been talking about healing, and um, and I think we can really think about that in terms of our physical healing, um, but also of our uh, spiritual healing. But then then uh, next week I think we can talk about it in terms of the turmoil that exists in our life, and you know we touched upon some of that today. And um, and the power that he has over not only the natural turmoil, natural disasters, um, but also the turmoil that's caused from relationship struggles and uh, and so many other things. So uh, I look forward to that. Um, would one of you uh, close us in a prayer this morning? I will. Okay. Um, Heavenly Father, we come to you today to say thank you. Um, we come with open hearts and open minds, and and we thank you for the time that we are able to be together, and we thank you for the the privilege of being able to worship you, to pray, to read your Bible in, in the open without fear of being persecuted, although um, there are those in, in our country who uh, would want us not to be able to do that. So we pray that you will uh, continue to allow that, that um, as we come to you uh, today, that that you will give us um, a blanket of, of safety as we come together to to read your word and and to share your word with with others. Um, we thank you for the lessons that we learned today about prayer and the importance of prayer, beginning our day, ending our day, and praying continually. Um, prayer really is just a ongoing conversation with you where we share our feelings, our needs, our desires, and you, in turn, shape our thoughts and our minds so that we come into agreement with with your will and are able to execute on uh, the needs that, that you have. And so we thank you for that direction, and we pray that we will continue to be open in our hearts and our minds to your guidance. Um, I pray for those of us who are having birthdays um, this week, Tim uh, today, Fury in two days, and me in four days. So 
Um, we have a bunch of Leos here uh, <laughs> in this group, and we we thank you for the camaraderie and the um, the friendship that that we have. Um, we pray for those uh, children who are starting to go back to school, admit uh, new COVID restrictions and uh, fears. Um, we pray that as they go to school that they'll be able to um, be uh, thoughtful learners and, and that they will have a successful uh, school year coming up. Uh, we thank you for all of your blessings and um, look forward to coming together again next week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 This has been a production of the Fish Meeting Bible Study Group. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week as we continue our study of God's Word. Until then, live what you learned.